Yes, indeed. We are back in with another edition of the nation's college basketball show and podcast. I have such a blast talking the college hoops, the madness, the mayhem of March. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am merely the somewhat lucid, fairly well-rested host of the program. Just get back to me later in the week when we've got bazooka of games uh, coming along on a five-day period as to how rested I'm going to be uh, through all of that. Uh, anyway, however you found the show, social media link, whether you find us on TuneIn, streaming on the TAG Sports Group channel, look under TAG, T-A-G, TAG Sports Group, on TuneIn for free. The show streams at the top and bottom of the, of the uh, hours. Uh, you can also find us on podcast, College Basketball Coast to Coast on Apple Podcasts, however you found the audio version of the show. Come and stay for the whole thing. And again, on TuneIn, it streams at the top and the bottom of every hour. So with all the promotional stuff out of the way, let's get to the first of our guests today. I love the inside of this man at all times, but especially when we have a bracket now out, because this man has been all about the bracket and all about the metrics into the bracket for the better part of 25 years it is a pleasure. I always say this to you publicly that you still return my call, my text message 25 <laughs> years later. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports. Good to have you. Wow. Thank you for doing this. Been that long, huh? Yeah, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have. I have been bothering you and you have been uh, responding. All right, so uh, after not having any of this a year ago, let's begin right there for you and me. We, we live for this time of year. We live for this event. And I talked to you at this time a year ago about how we weren't going to have it. All right, how much sweeter is it 52 weeks later that we now completed championship weekend, we have a bracket, and all things being equal, we're going to have a tournament? Uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, you don't know what you miss until it's gone, right? Um, I'm so excited about having the tournament, and I'm particularly excited because it's in my backyard. Um, so it's, uh, it's just fantastic to be able to, um, to, be able to do this uh, I'll probably spend a lot of time in Indianapolis. I may not get to many of the games. I'm already going to go to a couple, but uh, uh, it'll be cool to see the NCAA tournament at Mackey Arena because I'm a Purdue guy. Um, I'll be at Lucas Oil Stadium for at least one game. So it's uh, um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it is great to have all of this back. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed on many, many occasions being around the event, being around not only the first and second round, the Sweet 16 round, but the Final Four. I'm not going to be able to be there. I understand all of the dynamics as to why they've greatly restricted how much media can be there. I'm just thrilled that we get this, Jerry. That's the most important thing. If we're all distant and we're all watching, we get we get it. I understand. Let's play the games. And if we have to watch most, if not all of it on TV, that's great. Now, you touched on something. You're based in Indiana. You're a Purdue guy. The Most of the tournaments in Indianapolis, some of it in West Lafayette at the beginning, some of it in Bloomington. What's the buzz? What is this like now as we're, we're midweek around the state of Indiana? I know the Hoosiers are not in it. Purdue is in it. But the whole tournament is coming to the Hoosier State. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting for Indiana in particular. You know, Indianapolis is a great city for this event. Um, it's, uh, it's just amazing how you know this city could throw something together this quickly, but we've got great venues. We have people who have organized bigger events than this, like the Pan American game. So it, for Indianapolis is really the perfect place to try and do this. And uh, I think it's going to work out uh, very well, uh, at least from an organization standpoint, uh, that obviously there's outside things we can't control uh, anywhere uh, with the, with the pandemic still being enforced, but 
Uh, Indianapolis is going to be as good a host as, as could possibly have been chosen to try and do something like this. Understood on that. And you were saying to me, you're going as a fan to Mackey Arena, not even with Purdue playing at Mackey Arena, just to, I mean, this is historic, unique stuff. And so you're going to go hang as a fan. And I know you're thrilled about it, excited about that. I am. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I, I, there was no way for me to know where Purdue was going to play other than I knew it, they would not play at Mackey. Um, and you, you know, just trying to get tickets at all is, is a bit of a challenge, but uh, yeah, I'll get to see a first round game at Mackey. I'll uh, see a, uh, um, I'll get to see the uh, uh, second round game at Lucas oil. I'm hoping to get tickets for later rounds as well. We'll see how that goes, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a, uh, trying. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it works. Yeah, the uh, the twenty five percent capacity thing is going on at the arenas and at Lucas Oil Stadium. It means more fans for those games. But again, you got the schools and their fans that are battling to try to get a ticket to go. It's just it's neat. Uh, it's neat that all of this is going to be compressed and in and around there. All right, let's um, let's let's dive in. Um, you do this all the time and a great job uh, with the bracket and your bracketology for CBS. Uh, so now we've had a little more than probably thirty six hours to digest what the committee spit out i'll do pro and con let's go positive first we'll be positive on college basketball coast to coast what did the committee get right here jerry palm well i mean i think they gave us a pretty competitive field i think they did a really good job at the top of the bracket in particular trying to um trying to make sure that they had the right seat one through four seeds uh, my only potential quibble really with seeding in general was oklahoma state as a four i thought maybe they'd be higher but you know that's like I said, that's a quibble. Most of my quibbles would be with seeding. Um, I guess, you know, further down the bracket, I, I had some greater issues. But uh, I think Oklahoma State is a four, at least at the top of the bracket. Um, it's probably my only minor quibble. All right. So you don't have a major quibble with anything that they did to use your quibble? Not at the top word? of the bracket. No. I mean, really, it's a pandemic year. They had you know, such weird information to work with this year. It's hard to be overly critical. You know, it's not like anybody who got left out was just egregiously left out. Right. Um, it's a, uh, um, it, you know, the, the only problem really is that for the teams that didn't get to play a relatively full schedule, I don't think those teams that, that the committee did a good job of sort of equivocating resumes. So for example, you know, Wichita state only played 19 games. Um, the uh, Louisville and St. Louis only played 20 games and almost everybody else played at least 25, at least in the bottom half of the bracket, part of the at-large pool. In fact, only Iona and Drexel played fewer games than Wichita State did in the bracket. And of course, they're both automatic qualifiers. So it's a, uh, it was difficult, you know, to, to look at like Wichita State's resume and say, well, okay, they've got two or three quad one wins and you're comparing them with North Carolina who played almost 10 more games and say, well, they've got so many more wins. Well, of course they do. They played 50% greater schedule. So it's, I, I just thought that was a difficult thing for me to do when I was projecting brackets. And I thought it was a difficult thing for the committee to do as well. All right. Again, the voice of Jerry Palm from CBS, cbssports.com. Love his insight. Follow him on Twitter uh, all through the tournament here, but especially uh, in the ramp up and the run up to everything that goes on every March. JP Palm CBS is his Twitter handle, and we love his insight on college basketball uh, coast to coast. Uh, I don't I don't think anybody was surprised that we got a marquee matchup 
because everybody was of the belief late in the year that some combination of Michigan State, Duke, UCLA was going to end up in the first four and a prime, I see you smiling, primetime television game. So we can't uh, say that it was a shock that Michigan no. State and Duke is in that, right? Is in that no, slot where UCLA, a bunch of UCLA, not Duke. Michigan yeah. State and UCLA. No, Michigan State and UCLA, forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in fact, uh, Duke really was going to have to, Duke was never going to be in the first four because they had to win the ACC to get in the tournament at all. So I never really thought of Duke as a first four team. But uh, Michigan State. You don't State, believe, all right, wait a minute. You don't believe from an eyeball test, hypothetically, not a if chance, they had been COVID healthy. If they, but if they had been COVID healthy and beaten Florida State and won a semifinal game and were now like three games above 500, that the committee wouldn't have eyeballed that and said, slide them into the first four, play no. UCLA? No. They were not, they, their resume did not stand up any, at all unless they won the, the league. They just had way too many mediocre losses and not nearly enough good wins. And winning the ACC didn't mean that much this year because the league was down. I mean, the best seeds in this tournament are fours. So it's not like they had to beat a potential two seed and a potential one seed, you know, to possibly get to a championship game. They were just beating other so-so teams to get there. And that's, you know, that's what they did was they knocked Louisville out. But they they were never getting in uh, without a tournament championship. Uh, and again, to your point, Georgia Tech wins the ACC tournament, and they're only, what, the eighth seed uh, in the 8-9 game with Loyola Chicago uh, on that. But back to the marquee. I mean, I understand this. We were saying it yesterday on College Basketball Coast to Coast. This is a business for the NCAA. If they put UCLA at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, the West Coast is not able to see it as well. It's not as smart. So strategically, from a TV standpoint, and if you are going to subjectively look at this, they're doing the smart thing. They're going to have an extra couple of million of eyeballs on Thursday night from the West and from Southern California, Jerry. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Well, the TV windows are going to be largely the same as they have been before, you know, as much as they can possibly do it. And, and in order to do that, they've, uh, they've kind of had to mix things up in, ter- in terms of the, uh, uh, the, where teams are playing and stuff. For example, um, my team, Purdue, uh, is going to play their first round game at Lucas Oil Stadium. The team that they would normally that they would play in the second round, the winner of Villanova and Winthrop, will be playing somewhere else, and then their matchup in the in the next round will be at a third facility. So, and, and I think that's being done so that you've now got um, you, you can still use the regular TV windows because otherwise they're trying to have a longer period of time at the same facility between games. So that they can, you know, they can, um, they can do the, uh, uh, you know, sanitation and stuff at the facility. So that's, that's what they're trying to do. And in order to do that, then the, you know, they have to, they have to set, they have a greater t- time and they couldn't have the, the TV windows in that they need. So it's a logistical nightmare, but they're pulling it off. And the good news, and this is obvious and it's every year, is that you're going to play 36 games the first three days. It's going to be a blur, a barrage. Uh, right. I, may have said, I may have said bazooka at the beginning. I got my military uh-huh. uh, weapons in there. A barrage is what I was looking for of games. But then it calms somewhat into 16 games only on Sunday, Monday, and then it gets easier with eight games the following two-day set and then four games the set after that to be able to make all of this work, and that's where the drama will build as well as we talk with Jerry Palm here. All right, a couple more uh, things to cover and subjects. We had a controversy on Monday night 
uh, involving officials and not just any officials, some big time referees that got around yeah. each other, broke, pro, broke uh, COVID protocol, went out to dinner. One of them turns out to be COVID positive. And because they're all around him without masks on at a dinner, goodbye to several referees that we'll name here, John Higgins, Ted Valentine, Roger Ayers, that between them have worked something like 17 Final Fours. I was very critical of this. I mean, this I, I use the word idiocy. This is idiocy to have come into that environment and gone and done this as opposed to go to your room, seclude, sequester with how important all of this is. There's my opinion, Jerry. Uh, sound off, please. You're there. Well, I'm going to have to correct a couple of facts for you. The, these officials did go to the hotel to check in. Their rooms were not ready. They had permission from the NCAA to go for dinner because there was no food available at the hotel either. So they actually had permission to go for dinner. And then, unfortunately, one of them got COVID. And the, because of contact chasing, okay. they're, they're I'm gonna all help you. So, I'm going to help you with this because I saw somebody put that an NCAA staffer said something about going to dinner. I don't think the NCAA made an announcement or put anything out and said, hey, guys, it's a good idea for all of you to go get together without masks on when you don't know if one of you maybe has COVID. I don't believe well, that happened. And again, with all of these teams having to sequester, be away from their families, be away from everybody with all that they're, they're doing, the wild card element is the referees. The wild card element is them coming and going. And the fact that they went and did this, that's 100% on them. Are you disagreeing with that? That's 100% on them taking that risk. I'm saying that, well, yeah, it is 100% on them taking the risk. However, they, they couldn't get to their rooms, they couldn't eat, and they were told that they could go eat. So... They did, but it was there, there was definitely a risk to that. Um, but hey, I, you know, I'm a diabetic. If I can't eat at some point, I've, I've got problems. So okay, again, I'm, know, I'm not saying that, that I'm not saying that applies to them, but you know, yep. it's, it, it, I'm, you've been I'm not making fun of you. But we have no, Uber Eats, we have DoorDash. No. Order some well, food, go to your room. I mean, for they example, they just, have rooms to go to. That's the point. They didn't well, have rooms to go to. Their have them deliver it. Yeah, have them deliver it to the lobby while you sequester. I mean, I, I'll give you a perfect. You're example. not really sequestered in a lobby, though. You know, that's well, but thing. you can be socially distant from each other, which well, around a table at a restaurant, that's the whole problem. Anyway, we're arguing the semantics of this, but let me give you one more example while we digress. I have talked to so many media members, and I have been one as well that has been traveling, where when we travel and we're with a crew or whatever, we don't eat together. We have to go back to a room or go somewhere else and be by yourself. I have right. zero, zero, zero sympathy for guys that went and did this when them being around the teams and the players could have blown this whole thing up this weekend. Uh, it wouldn't have gotten to that point because they would have all tested positive prior to the games, theoretically. Again, I got zero sympathy here for any of that with the refs. And one more point on the actual officiating. How much do you think it's going to affect things, if at all, that these are some of the bigger names that have worked a lot of the big games in the past and they won't be there? Is it that big a deal, Jerry? Well, probably not that much because it's six guys. You know, they could probably – they have, I'm sure, backups, of course. Um, it, it, I'm sure that, uh, you know, some of them, you know, their experience will be missed at some point, but it'll just be an, another opportunity for – uh, for six other guys to probably work early rounds of the tournament. Um, and then they still will have very veteran officials at the final four uh, and the championship game. There's no shortage of those guys. They did announce, I believe they're going to have two replacements for the six. The other four will not be replaced. And the pool is something still like over 60 officials. Oh, okay. That they have for all of this. So, uh, and, and they're obviously not travel concerns. They're all right there. They can work different games on different days um, right. for that. 
Uh, okay, so in looking over the bracket, Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com, give me an upset or two that stood out to you maybe right away or the more that you've analyzed this. I know you've, we've all got the brackets. We've all got the upsets. Yeah. Give me one or two. Well, I went with Winthrop over Villanova just because of how bad Villanova has looked without Colin Gillespie after he got hurt. I mean, what a blow for them. You know, it's just terrible uh, for that team to lose a guy of that caliber. And it's not like he's their only guy, right? Uh, but use your point guard. Point guard matters a lot. So um, it really was a, a shame for them to lose him. Uh, but they're clearly not the same. Winthrop is a team that has one loss all season long out of the Big South Conference. And, um, you know, so we'll have to see what they can do. Uh, but I think they've got a real shot at beating Villanova. I like Santa Barbara over in the West region, uh, taking on, I believe, Creighton, uh, who uh, out of the Big East is Creighton is one of those teams that's got a weird resume, right? They've got a, a few pretty good wins and then just does not seem to have much of anything. Um, you know, uh, uh, I shouldn't say they should, don't have much of anything. What they've got is a ton of bad losses, including the one in the Big East final where they lost by, I don't know, 40 to Georgetown, some ridiculous number. Um, it's it, They're capable of playing down to their competition and capable of playing up to their competition. And that's uh, kind of what makes Creighton, to me, a potential upset victim. And there's a couple of names and a couple of uh, coaching names associated with them uh, that, that always seem to strike fear uh, in the heart whenever you're looking at, at possible upsets. Rick Patino would be one of those with an undermanned uh, Iona team. They're a large underdog with Alabama. I think most believe if they can just keep it close, it's still going to be a fun uh, two versus 15 game there just to see if Iona can hang in with a powerful high scoring Alabama team. Right. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, the um, Iona, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're going to be completely undermanned. And Iona is one of those teams that hardly played any games at all. I think they only played 15 games all year. Uh, so I guess they should be rested, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, Alabama's a dominant team. It, it, they're really going to have their hands full with their length and athleticism and, you know, their three-point shooting is outstanding. And basically, Iona's only shot is that Alabama can't hit a three-point shot. But how are they going to keep them off the rim? And they're also one of the best defensive teams in the country. So uh, that would be a borderline miracle for Iona to beat uh, um, Alabama. Now, you know, Patino could suit up and play, and he was good, then that might be <laughs> useful. But he's kind of old for that. So, you know. It's... Yeah. And there, and there are some other matchups. Uh, watch out. Abilene Christian against Texas in that one. I like Moorhead State to hang in, if not beat West Virginia team that's talented, experienced coach. But again, they've taken some losses down the stretch of the season. That's the thing. We know these are coming, right, Jerry? That's the. Point. I don't have we anything quite. I don't have anything quite that deep yet in the in the bracket. I don't think I picked anybody uh, further down than a twelve to, to pull an upset this year. But then again, uh, they always seem to crop up one or two uh, somewhere along the way. Again, we love your insight. I look forward to seeing everything that you're going to be doing in and around Indianapolis with the coverage on CBS. Uh, again, you're going as a fan. I want to I want to see all about that on social media. JP Palm CBS. This is going to be something else. And again, one more time, we're just grateful that we have it in whatever form and fashion. Let's get as much of it played this weekend as we can. Let's be prepared if some teams suddenly can't play if. A game can't play right away maybe they delay it we got to be ready for all of it right jerry yeah and I, I mean let's face it we had a season where a lot of games got canceled and you know covid was still running it was like college football in that way i mean it was just there was stuff that was unavoidable now the ncaa has created as good of a bubble as you can for 68 teams playing all in one city 
but realistically, the odds of getting all 65 games completed without a cancellation, are, I would say, are pretty slim. Well, and again, we've already seen it at the end of last week in two tournaments with Virginia or excuse me, with uh, with Duke um, and Virginia and then with Kansas in the Big 12, where a team suddenly crops up that played a game and won a game. Uh, you're going to have 68 teams that come in for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I keep saying it's fantasy land that somebody's not going to have a player, a staff member. Let's see how they deal with it. Maybe it does happen, and you're the math guy. I don't know what the odds are on all 68, Uh and we don't have a problem until we narrow it down to 32 and then to 16, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I hope we get through it all. And well, the way that I, they, everybody has their own hotel room, so it is possible that somebody could test positive and, and you don't have a contact tracing problem. But still, that's yeah, I, I just think it's unlikely to me that we're going to get through this completely clean. But let's see what happens and enjoy the fact that we've got them all first four and the uh, the first two days, uh, which are going to be a blur on a Friday and a Saturday this time. Uh, yep. into the weekend. Jerry, thank you. I always love mixing it up with you. Great stuff here. <laughs> enjoy. The I want to hear back about how Mackey Arena was uh, for that oh. round of the tournament. I want to see it on social media, etc. Thank you for the time hanging out here. You'll definitely hear from me. Thank you, Jay. And there he goes. Love that man's insight. And again, he has been in communication or contact with me for the better part of 25 years since uh, Jerry reverse engineered. He's an engineer from Purdue, after all. He reverse engineered how the NCAA selection committee was using the RPI and that formula, and he began to put it out there because they kept it so secretive for so long uh, with the RPI. And so uh, good to always still catch up with Jerry as he, uh, again, did all the bracketology stuff with CBS, and now we have the field of 68. So in our remaining moments on this edition of the program and again we're here streaming on tune in top and bottom of the hour no matter when you joined the show on tune in if you saw it on a social media link on the free tune in app under tag sports group the show will start top and bottom of each hour uh, to hear us from the beginning uh, in the conversation and again subscribe in podcast form that's the easiest way to grab the show through apple podcast search college basketball coast to coast i'm putting the social media link out under my handles under buck sideline guy i do radio work for the tampa bay buccaneers also under cbb coast to coast with the number two in it cbb coast to coast i'm putting the link to the apple podcast subscribe it'll come automatically to you when there's a new one usually midday throughout this week and leading into all of the tournament action each day on thursday friday saturday sunday and even monday again it's a quirky schedule But we're going to be here talking about it, recapping the games from the day before, previewing the games of the weekend. Different guests, different analysts. Love all the angles and aspects of the NCAA tournament. So again, if you are subscribed, you'll get the new episode notification automatically on your phone, on your iPad, uh, etc., and be able to hear the show. All right, a couple of things besides the officiating controversy. uh, There is some coaching news. I didn't get to talk to Jerry about the Indiana vacancy where Archie Miller, not surprisingly, was fired after five seasons of not making the NCAA tournament over and over and over again. The expectation, again, from Indiana is they want to be in the big dance. Reportedly, they're they're not interested in Steve Alford, uh, which is something that I've been theorizing and others, and, and it may just be that that's mutual, that Alford has let it be known he's not ever coming back to Indiana, even though it would be a natural for him to be there. 
Uh, we've been talking about that on college basketball coast to coast. Who is Indiana going to end up with? Minnesota also firing Richard Patino on Monday. Again, uh, Patino some 35 games below 500 in his Big Ten coaching career, the son of, obviously, the legend Rick Patino. Not able to get it done at Minnesota on a consistent basis. And Richard Patino apparently not out of work very long. The news coming midday Tuesday that he has agreed with the University of New Mexico. Speaking of connect the dots, Alford was at New Mexico before, before he was at UCLA and Alford now at Nevada. Uh, so New Mexico now with an opening. They've had a bad uh, run of the last few years. Remember, New Mexico was like a two-seed in the tournament, and uh, and Alford uh, had them hyped up. He parlayed that into the UCLA job. Well, they've fallen on hard times, been awful in the Mountain West. So Richard Patino is apparently going to be the New Mexico uh, new coach. Uh, some other interest. Boston College has introduced a new coach. Uh, so there's some power fives that are making moves, and the carousel is going to continue, uh, including whoever ends up at Indiana. What job do they vacate? Is it Scott Drew from Baylor, who's an Indiana guy? Uh, do they do they bring him back to coach of the Hoosier State after the reclamation project at Baylor? We'll see. So the coaching carousel is ongoing. We'll keep our eyes on that as the weekend is is out. Uh, we were mentioning with Jerry about the different games, the different times. He brought up the fascinating point that even in your first round game, you're not going to necessarily play your next game if you win two days later. On either Saturday, on either Sunday or Monday, in the same locale. In other words, Purdue, like he mentioned, is playing at Lucas Oil Stadium, but they will play in another venue by design. Should they win that game on uh, on what Saturday? On Monday, Purdue will be playing somewhere else uh, as they as they line all of this up. So the game times are are all out. Uh, again, the Thursday games are all going to be staggered as standalone games, about an hour and a half apart, um, and they will be at Assembly Hall first with Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's, then at Mackey Arena for Drake and Wichita State. Uh, that one will come about an hour and a half later at 6.30 Eastern time. So the two games on the college campuses that will be there in the first four. Appalachian State and Norfolk State will also be at Assembly Hall. And that one will be at around 8.45 Eastern time Thursday night. And then at Mackey Arena, the UCLA-Michigan State game that we were referencing, that one will be at approximately 10 p.m. primetime in the West. And I keep saying this, fully expect that game on TBS cable, not on network TV, not on CBS for the first four. That game will have two million more eyeballs in primetime in Southern California and the state of California alone because UCLA is there. And keep in mind, you've got major markets, huge population like Phoenix, like San Francisco, like the greater Portland, Eugene, Oregon, where Oregon is, like Seattle, where the University of Washington is. They will watch UCLA uh, in prime time in their market, whereas, again, if the game was on in the afternoon and early afternoon or lunchtime in the West, it doesn't have the same effect. There will be 32 games on Friday and Saturday, either at legendary Hinkle Field House, where Butler's home games are played in downtown Indy. The Banker's Life Field House is where the Indiana Pacers play. The Indiana Farmers Coliseum, where they've held the Horizon League men's and women's basketball championships the last couple of years. That's a redone facility about 15 minutes north of downtown. We'll have games. So, too, will Assembly Hall. So, too, will Mackey Arena. So, too, will Lucas Oil Stadium on Thursday and Friday. It'll be interesting to watch all of this 
uh, unfold. And and again, going into Saturday, they'll make use of all of those facilities again. Hinkle, Banker's Life, the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, Assembly Hall, Mackey Arena, Lucas Oil Stadium, they'll all be utilized again for the Saturday games. Uh, setting things up and setting things into motion to narrow the field down to 32 teams for Sunday and Monday. That's what we are pointing towards. And with all of the upsets and the breakdown, that's that's what we love for this time of year. Love uh, love all of this for the insight on college basketball coast-to-coast with the upset. Uh, you you know there are going to be upsets. What What is going to happen um, with uh, the, the 13s and the 12s that may win and may work their way in. I mean, Oregon State and Georgetown, as we've been talking about, both red hot off of their respective Pac-12 and Big East tournament wins. They're both 12 seeds. Are they material to not only win an opening round game against a five seed, but could they also move through into the Sweet 16? That's what you really have to project about. For example, I love Michigan State to beat UCLA in that first four game, and then I love them against the sixth seed BYU in the next round. To be right into the round of 32 as an upstart double-digit team, and, and I think the same thing could happen in a couple of other uh, locales with double-digit teams as well and possible upsets. So we'll stand by to see how that uh, plays out and comes out. Oregon State as the 12 seed taking on Tennessee in their matchup. We'll see what happens with that one. Syracuse as an 11 seed might be able to to give problems to San Diego State, and they could maybe be a Sweet 16 team. Bayheim has always done that, has always underachieved, and we talked about or has overachieved seemingly with the seeding uh, with that. So we'll see how that part works uh, as well. Again, we've come to the close of this Tuesday edition into Wednesday now for college basketball coast to coast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Find it streaming under the TuneIn app for free on the channel Tag TAG, Tag Sports Group. The show is streaming at the top and bottom of the hour on that channel. New show uh, out and starting at the top and bottom of every hour there on TuneIn. For now, we are done. My thanks to Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com and their bracketology for hanging with me here. We've only got a couple more days to go before the 2021 tournament gets underway. Cannot wait. And thank you for being with me on College basketball coast to coast.